and welcome to the Hindus In Focus podcast, which brings you the most important news and views from around the world. I'm Narayan Lakshman, Associate Editor at The Hindu, and I'm your host for this episode. As the world continues to grapple with the debilitating human toll of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, Experts such as uh, Andrew Pollard, director of the Oxford Vaccine Group and chief investigator on its COVID-19 trials, have been at the forefront of research most significantly regarding vaccine development. The remarkable progress that made by Professor Pollard and his team, captured by data published this week in The Lancet, holds out hope that an effective and safe vaccine might be available even earlier than originally assumed during 2021. He is well positioned to give us deep insights into the coronavirus endgame scenario that this could lead to. Welcome to this podcast, Professor Pollard, and thank you for joining us today. Hello there. Thank you for inviting me. Great. So there has been considerable excitement uh, surrounding the data and the actual process of vaccine development by OVG and AstraZeneca. Could you break the process down for us a little bit, explaining how the Chad Ox1 NCOV-19 vaccine works? Uh, what trials phases are you in right now and what breakthroughs have you made? Uh, well, the way the vaccine works is actually rather uh, similar to uh, most of the other vaccines in development um, in that what we're trying to do is to induce immune responses to spike protein. And spike protein is the protein that decorates the surface of coronavirus and the virus uses it uh, in order to enter into the cells uh, in our body to cause infection. And what we're trying to do is to make neutralizing antibodies which bind onto spike protein and stop the virus being able to get into our cells and cause infection. And so this new data published in The Lancet this week um, shows that we can make those neutralizing antibodies in our volunteers when we vaccinate them uh, with this vaccine. In addition to that, the, the vaccine also induces a type of white blood cell called T cells um, which are able to destroy uh, our cells if they get infected by the virus and to try and halt the infection. So the combination of those two um, is exactly what we hoped we'd be able to induce with the vaccine. So it's a really important milestone. But we haven't quite got there yet because we now need to find out whether those immune responses are enough to protect people from infection. Right. So I was going to ask you about the efficacy question. So a couple of issues there. Firstly, is it possible that, you know, what you said about the spike protein, that the virus itself could mutate and thereby render the vaccine maybe less than effective as seen at the trials? It's a really important question. Um, and we don't know the answer to that yet. Um, the, uh, so far, we don't see evidence that, uh, that the spike protein itself has mutated so that the vaccines wouldn't work. But it's something that has to be monitored uh, because uh, these viruses, as they uh, pass from person to person and they make new viruses, they, they do make mistakes in their genetic code, which could allow these mutations to arise and for new forms of spike protein uh, to develop. One of the reasons why it might not have happened uh, so far, as far as we can see, is that if, it, if they have big mutations in the spike protein, they wouldn't be able to infect our cells anymore and it would be a dead end for the virus. Um, but it is something that needs monitoring. Of course, with the influenza virus, that's exactly what happens each year and why we need to have a different flu vaccine um, used each year. And, and, but it does also mean that, that if 
the coronavirus did this, we would have to use a similar strategy and keep changing the vaccine as we do for flu. And is that a very complex or time-consuming process? I, I don't think it would be terribly complex to do. Uh, there'd be a lot of work with regulators to work out the, how the process um, could happen at pace each year. Um, but it may actually be rather easier uh, than for flu vaccines, um, just because of the way the manufacturing process works for coronavirus. Okay, and going back to the vaccine, uh, how strong was the immune response seen? Uh, is, is that something worth getting excited about? Well, it, it's, a, it's the right question, but we don't know how strong an immune response is needed for protection. Um, all we can say is that we're seeing immune responses that are better after a second dose, uh, but they're also not so bad after a first dose. Um, but we, we don't know um, whether those are enough for protection. That's why we have to continue with these trials. Okay, and so is it also an open question as to whether some people might get protected less effectively than others? Should it go become available widely? I, I, I think it's likely that there will be some differences in immunity between people. And a particular hurdle is for older adults, particularly those over 70, where we know their immune systems just don't crank up as much when they're vaccinated. And so it may be that it's more of a hurdle to get good immune responses in that age group. And we're actually studying that at the moment. Uh, you, you did ask me what phase of trials we were in. Um, so the data we published is from phase one, uh, but we're now in the phase three trials with uh, more than 10,000 people around the world who've been vaccinated to try to answer this question about protection. Okay, okay. And uh, just speaking of what you're doing in your lab, there are obviously others doing it, I think about 100 at least potential vaccine uh, processes underway. Uh, are there differences between them? Uh, would we expect differences in the way they finally turn out in terms of impact on population? Well, there are lots of different technologies being used, which is great because it means that we have more chances of, of actually being able to control the virus if, if one or more of those work. Um, but in the end, many of them are using this same approach of trying to make immune responses against the spike protein. And I think the great news there is if, if one of the vaccines that takes this approach works, it's likely we've got multiple hits on target. And that's very good news for the world where we will need a lot of vaccine and so having multiple de developers successful will be extremely good news. Okay, okay. Um, and so speaking of, of, again, this vaccine process, uh, how soon do you think this will be ready? I know there are lots of uncertainties and it has to go step by step, but uh, what sort of time frame are we looking at in terms of getting it available more widely? Well, it, it's, it's the impossible question to answer because it's determined by how many cases occur amongst the population we vaccinated, because we can only tell whether we've got protection with the vaccine if we can prevent infection in our population of vaccinees. And that's, in, that's determined by how much transmission the virus there is in the populations we're working in. And although I can tell you quite a lot about how much transmission there was last week, I don't know how much transmission is gonna be next week. And that's when we need to be studying the protection from the vaccine. If I knew the future, I could answer your question, but I don't at the moment. <laughs> right, fair point. Uh, I'm thinking basically from the point of view of a country like India, which is right now the third largest uh, number of cases, it's rapidly rising in rank. 
And uh, I think the prognosis for us is that by 2021, it's going to be possibly the largest number of cases, very severe at any, in any case. So in such a scenario, uh, how much effectiveness do you see this vaccine having once it's started rolling out into the population? Will it take one year, two years, or even more to actually bring the pandemic to a halt? Well, I, I, the, the answer is that uh, the, the pandemic comes to a halt when enough people are immune in the population that the virus can no longer transmit from person to person. And there's two ways we get immunity. One is by getting infection and the other is through vaccination. And for many diseases, we actually build up our immunity through getting the infection in childhood. So that would be true actually for many coronaviruses that exist in the world today. We've all had them as children and that's built up our immunity. The difference here is that this is a new virus that no humans have seen before. And so it will take a while uh, for that immunity to build up. And of course, the problem is that if you just have the wild virus spreading until everyone's immune, there'll be lots of people dead in the meantime. And so that's where the vaccines may be able to intervene there by generating immunity for people um, so that they don't have to get the consequences of infection. And so really, the, to answer your question, we need to have enough doses of vaccine available and then we need to be able to vaccinate enough people to stop the virus in its tracks. And that's quite a big deal. First of all, you've got to manufacture an enormous scale for a country like India uh, to be able to vaccinate a large proportion of the population. Um, and then uh, we actually have to get out and deliver the vaccine um, on a scale that's never been seen before. And that's also a big hurdle. So I think the logistics of even if you have a vaccine and you've got enough doses to actually prevent infection in everyone is, is going to be a huge mass vaccination program. And I think many countries are thinking initially about how to protect those at greatest risk, like the hospital workers, like uh, older individuals and those who've got other health problems. And that's probably the, the right way to start to make sure that those who are most vulnerable are protected first. Okay, and uh, is there more that uh, governments could do, India or elsewhere, in terms of just public health, in terms of infrastructure, in terms of designing a policy to roll this out beyond just looking at the right targets? Uh, well, it, it's, it's not for me to speak about what the Indian government should do, but I think it's really important that in every country there are public health organizations looking at this question very carefully about if we did have a vaccine, how should it be used in our country? and how best should we deliver it? And, and I think that this is an urgent question for all countries because it does feel to me that we, if we did have a vaccine, it does get out of, us out of this mess as, uh, much earlier than if we don't. And, and in that regard, you do think that uh, we're looking at early 2021 or is it looking like it might be later in the year? What's your- Well, you've come back again, to the same I'm, question yeah. that, that <laughs> I couldn't answer. Ball, stuff, but. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, it, it, everything is possible. So I, it's certainly possible this year or it might take into next year. I don't know. Okay, okay. And finally, just in terms of the science that has gone into it, not so much the economic angle, but the science and the research has gone in, what, what sort of price range are we looking at? Or is that something that you wouldn't be able to uh, speculate on? I, I, I don't know what um, uh, price range would, would be. Um, I did hear uh, Mr. Poonawala from Serum Institute uh, of India uh, speaking earlier today and giving some suggestions of, of the sort of price. But I, but I think the important thing for most people in the world 
is that governments are likely to pay for this or to have funding externally uh, from international organizations to help them. So hopefully for uh, individuals being vaccinated, this will either be no cost or a very low cost. And I think that this is important and the partnership that Oxford has made with AstraZeneca is a not-for-profit partnership to try to make sure that uh, we are able to ensure equitable access around the world. Okay, has that been, uh, to your knowledge, the approach followed by others? I think um, there are a couple of US companies, Pfizer and a few others. Uh, are they doing, is following a similar philosophy in a sense? I, I don't know what arrangements other companies have made, uh, but, but there is this uh, facility that will um, help fund vaccines, particularly for developing countries, uh, to make sure there's equitable access. Well, uh, thank you so much. Appreciate your time and great speaking to you. Hope we can maybe circle back to you as the process unfolds further. Um, thank you so much, uh, Professor Pollard. And uh, this is the In Focus podcast from The Hindu. Thank you for joining us and please look out for more on our website.